0: Welcome to EHS On Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of EHS Daily Advisor. This week, I talked to Tony Rusi, Chief Operating Officer of EV Construction, about his company's safety philosophy. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Tony Rusi, COO of EV Construction. Welcome, Tony. Thank you,
1: Jay. Good to be here.
0: Great to have you. And uh, I was wondering, before we get started, if you could tell me a little bit about yourself and your company.
1: Yeah, myself, um, I'm uh, the Chief Operating Officer of EV Construction, and until just this past uh, January 1, I held the safety director title as part of my either VP or COO title for close to 30 years, so very much uh, a big part of our safety program throughout most of my career. Myself, born into the industry, my father was a union general contractor. And I say union uh, mostly for the reason that we had several of the trade categories under roof. So, you know, I, I grew up in a unique, uh, you know, setting and, and whatnot because I was around uh, pretty much all aspects of construction within house uh, foremen, supervisors, so on and so forth that I mentored under and was raised under. So great upbringing in the construction industry, left the family industry in my oh, late 20s and uh, have kind of been in that leadership role, uh, you know, most of my whole career. Um, <clears throat> the uh, one accomplishment maybe that feeling proud of is in a lot of years, a lot of successes, but went around 18 years as a safety director as part of my VP title or COO with 18 years without a lost time injury.
0: Yeah.
1: And so we just were able to create a culture that kept people safe throughout those years. So have been, you know, been very proud of those numbers and how we accomplished some of that. Um, I uh, graduated high school in 1972, a year after OSHA, federal OSHA was uh, enacted. So I've seen the evolution of safety throughout my career from little to uh, of no, you little to nothing common sense and then of course all the all the the guidelines that uh, OSHA's helped us uh develop throughout the years uh, I'm a fan of OSHA I feel if we did not have that uh our industry would be uh well would be a much um uh, less safe place right so anyway and then um yeah so I I've witnessed serious injury and death close up it's what has uh, compelled me to work tirelessly at keeping all my employees safe every minute, every hour, every day. Creating a, oh, a uh, mantra here of leading from the heart. You know, always caring about our employees, um, no matter what the cost, uh, you know, schedule or whatever. We are going to keep people safe first, and that's our, that's our philosophy here. So it's been my personal philosophy, and one I've been able to drive down throughout uh, the company. Um, so that's mine, EV Construction. We're a company that's even older than I am. Um, founded in 1945, right after World War II. So the company's been around a long, long time. And, um, yeah, so we are proud of the things we do. We're proud of the employees we have and some of the things we've been able to do in safety and, and worker, um, you know, mental health and so on and so forth. So, we like to feel we're a leader in it and we're proud of what we do um, yet we're never satisfied we're not perfect and we're always uh, always reaching for something better so that's kind of who i am in the, in the company a little bit
0: great well i want to congratulate you on winning the moving beyond compliance award from our safety standout awards uh uh that just happened a little while ago and um you know I was going to ask you about EV's philosophy on worker safety, but you already kind of explained it, but um, I, I guess I could uh, want to know just a little bit more about sort of, um, you know, what does EV do to ensure that, you know, workers' mental health is taken care of?
1: Yeah, the mental health is, <laughs> I think, especially the last couple of years in my, yeah. you know, yeah. almost 60 years in this industry and the mental health is, is really, really been uh, something that we've, we've, Been conscious of, we've we've, um, upped our training and education of um, the challenges of mental health right now of of anybody and everyone, and of course our employees. So, um, so you know, a lot of things uh, started to come forward during you know kind of during the whole pandemic thing, even some prior to that that people are struggling. Um, Fortunately, we already had some people in place that we've been working with. and some programs that we were able to to kind of uh take to the next level to address some of the issues we were seeing or concerned about um so we got all of our leaders pretty much all of our managers of anything foreman supervisor whatnot certified in in uh in the training of recognizing you know um people were struggling with mental health issues and uh so we have regular training on that what to look for what some of the things people might be going through, and then directing them to where they can get some assistance with that, both through a program with Pine Rest Mental Health Hospital here in in the the West Michigan area, Um, and then through our corporate uh, uh, chaplain who meets with people discreetly. Um, And uh, that was brand new. At first, it didn't take off. I think people were a little leery of it. But uh, I think in the last year we've, we've gone from 80 hours of, of people um, visiting our chaplain, and we expect that to maybe uh, maybe not double in the next year, but we, we know it's going to go way up. It's, it's just going really, really well. It's very popular among our, among our staff.
0: Do you feel that um, workers are more uh, open to that kind oh. of, um, to accepting that kind of help now than maybe they were when you first started out?
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah, you didn't, you know, being an old guy, you didn't talk mental health (laughs) in those days. And today, what's changed is uh, we have a very close-knit group here. Out of 150 employees in our construction uh, division here in West Michigan, they're a tight-knit group. So, as people seek help uh, help for different things, they talk to others. And pretty soon, now, you've got a group of three or four people that, you know, spend a lot of time together and you know, the word goes out. Uh-huh. The word goes out among those groups, and um, so we know that the feedback we're getting from some of the people uh, has been way beyond what we could have could have uh, guessed, uh, what we could have hoped when we uh, when we introduced Pastor uh, Josh to our team. And like I say, at first it was some reluctance. First couple of months was very little, and then all of a sudden, boom! It, it just took off. And uh, so, yeah, definitely uh, people are much more willing today to talk about those issues. Um, I myself have, have had some experiences that I'm able to talk to individuals about and help direct them to professional help because I, I'm not a, I'm not a uh, expert. And uh, but yet the company is very committed to providing uh, help um, at no cost to the employee because obviously that's one of the barriers for a lot of people is the cost. And uh, so we've removed those barriers, and that's really opened the uh, opened it up to more participation.
0: And I was wondering if you could explain a little more the role of the corporate chaplain. Um, he also attends um, safety meetings as well, right?
1: Yeah, he attends every one of our monthly safety meetings, and he has the first we, – we'll do a quick introduction on the month and what how we've been safe for the prior month kind of a thing. And then he takes on the next 10 to 15 minutes. And he'll present on a number of different topics uh, all centered around you know mental health and stress and you know the anxieties people have today for a number of different reasons and and uh so it's a very popular part of our monthly safety um uh, program and um yeah so uh he he's at everyone and those meetings are attended by every employee if they're not in West Michigan, if there's people from around the country, they are zooming in. And uh, so the whole company, from the receptionist to the uh, maybe a worker that's right out of high school, everybody is in attendance uh, at that monthly safety meeting.
0: How did uh, EV deal with the pandemic in terms of, I imagine you guys kept working because there was work to do and it was outdoors, but how did uh, sort of, you know, you mentioned the last couple of years have been tough in terms of mental challenges. I mean, I imagine that, uh, you know, that the pandemic really kind of pushed that.
1: Yeah, our industry is a little bit unique because we have office employees, right? So of our 150 in our construction division, um, 100 100 of those are in the field. They're out there working. Right. Right. And then 50 are in the office, totally different environment. And uh, so we had challenges in that the office was able to work remotely, most all of them and uh, we allowed that to happen well the field were you know they were concerned that well we have to still work and so we had to we had to meet with them individually and in groups and say hey it's really hard to hang a door or um pour concrete from home you know you can't do that right so we had to establish some guidelines for their safety um giving them the confidence that we were doing everything possible to make sure they were safe and uh also we weren't Outside that much Uh, when a lot of that hit early in the spring there a lot of our work was inside We do a ton of work inside hospitals senior care facilities where you already have a number of your clients and their Patients and whatnot that are compromised. So we had to set up programs immediately to continue with the construction which they required us to do to keep our own workers safe but also keep our client and their their patients and residents safe. So um, we had I would want to give credit primarily to two individuals who took the lead on setting up the protocols in a very quick manner um, to to be able to do that. So you know the screening of uh, workers coming in, both our own and our trade partners, our subcontractors, Um, And giving our clients the confidence that we could continue work and yet do it safely. It was a real challenge. I've never had anything close to that in my 60 years in this industry. Um, But we had some employees that just took charge of that. And I was just uh, just amazed by what they came up with in a very short time.
0: Have things sort of returned to normal now, or are you still kind of using some of those safeguards that you were using um, at the height of the pandemic?
1: Yeah. Like hospitals and some senior care, we still have some challenges that are different than, that are still different than what we had, uh, you know, pre-pandemic. So, but it's a lot easier now. It's not quite as people, people have figured it out, right? So the first several months, everything was brand new. Nobody quite knew you know what to think and how to react and so on and so forth so we developed these systems now it's become habit uh, a little more and especially with certain clients who require things whether it's in food and beverage whether it's in healthcare or senior living we know what they expect so um, it's made it easier um, when it's going to return to pre-pandemic who knows or even if it ever will in some of these institutions we just don't know
0: yeah, I imagine it's always going to be with us in some way. Um, you know, it's, it seems like it's kind of hanging around, like you know, like a like the flu almost. So, um, I imagine that you know we're going to have to deal with some form of COVID going forward, pretty much forever.
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt this will be something. Of course, all of those uh, industries that I just mentioned, even pre-pandemic, there were an unbelievable amount of safeguards. Sure. Uh, to keep people safe, and uh, so infectious, you know, uh, uh, concerns uh, in hospitals, all of that's always been around. So, we've always had uh, um, guidelines to to keep um, our clients and, again, their patients or their residents safe. So, uh, a lot of that was maybe easier for us because we're already doing a high level of that. Uh, the pandemic just took, took it to a whole other level. And, like I say, if it continues at some uh, level, you know, we're ready for that. It's, it's, like I say, it's kind of gotten to be habit now.
0: Yeah. Um, one of the other things that you uh, mentioned in your application for the awards, um, uh, an area that you exceed OSHA compliance in is first aid and CPR. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about sort of what you do for uh, first aid.
1: Well, we have every one of our foremen and, and, uh, field managers, some people call superintendents, are, uh, are, uh, trained and on the site. So where the real requirement requires one person on site, we typically have two or more, a lot of times three or four, uh, that are trained in, in, uh, in CPR. And, and uh, so we're more than covered there, we're always well beyond the um, minimum standard that OSHA requires. Um, so we just, we, I, you know, we just made that commitment to, uh, uh, to get all of our leaders uh, trained and certified.
0: Um, and another area is the uh, site-specific safety communities. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how those work.
1: Yeah, that uh, is something I started about seven or eight years ago. We had a client in the food and beverage industry who was really, really tough to, I guess, keep uh, confident in our ability to work uh, safely and and not create issues within their facility. It was about a $28 million uh, plant renovation and expansion, mostly all within the working uh, facility and uh so the challenge is a lot of times when we have let's just say we have a dozen or or 20 other trade contractors working on that project getting them all to buy in to what you're needing to do to keep workers safe and to keep the client uh happy i just thought you know what let's grab somebody from each company uh not only the foreman or supervisors let's grab some really good tradespeople that are just really top-notch and we started a a, a site safety committee a project safety committee and it just went so well that client went from concerned to confident that we really had things handled right so it went so well uh subsequent projects after that that had any kind of challenges or were large in scale um it uh Is something we instilled and and implemented, and it's just gone really, really well. Our trade contractors are um, happy to participate, to take a leadership role, and not just require the general contractor uh, to be the safety um, cop, if you will. So, it empowers uh, people from their own companies to focus on worker safety on a daily basis, not just you know, whenever you have a meeting you talk about safety, it's a daily conversation. So it's just been something we've done. It's just been, just worked really, really well. We have not had an ambulance on site in, I don't know, well, over 15 years, I'm sure. And that's unbelievable on the type of work we do.
0: Um, you know, given your, you know, you've been in the industry for so long, I was wondering if you had any thoughts on, sort of um, the generational differences, uh, you know, between, between workers, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, we were talking a little bit about sort of the old school attitudes um, about, you know, sort of, uh, you know, kind of rub some dirt on it and get back to work kind of thing. But, you know, what do you what do you see, you know, for the younger generation of, of workers that come through um, in terms of safety and sort of how they're, uh, you know, committed to it?
1: Yeah, this is a subject I could probably talk a lot longer about. I'm I'm an interesting old guy. I don't have, I've never had bias on age. Back when I was a young person, I didn't have bias toward old. And now that I'm old, I don't have a bias toward young. I think, I think we have great people in all generations. And I've always worked hard to just try to find the best out of each generation. And each one is challenged with different things. So the younger generation is, since they're new to it, um, it's much easier for us to get them to um, understand the why uh, we're doing safety, um, and they buy into it quickly because they don't really know anything different. It's actually that older generation that comes in here. Let's just say I hire a, a, a 50-some-year-old carpenter, and he's not worked around that kind of uh, safety um, culture before. It's harder for him.
0: Right. And so a lot of ways. those people
1: a lot of times those people have worked for 30 years and not so much as maybe cut a finger. Mm-hmm. And so they wonder about the why, why do I have to do this? Right. And, um, if they've not experienced close up or themselves had a serious injury or someone close to them, sometimes they wonder, well, why do I have to do this? They can be the, they can actually be the tougher ones to get buy-in from sometimes. But, um, I think the methods we've used, um, I don't know that any company has a higher level of buy-in for their employees than we do, and uh, again, it's uh, just finding the best, no matter what generation you're hiring from, just just find the best. Great character, um, And it really it's, it's a very simple thing when you talk about hiring character. But people with great character will buy into what you want to do. And um, if you're honest with them you're, and, you, and you're consistent in your message and your program, I don't care what generation, you can get buy-in. So I don't look at the younger generation as any kind of a challenge. Mm-hmm. I look at them as actually being able, uh, being easier, I sometimes get up to, uh, get buy-in from. And uh, so, yeah, I, I'm a little bit different from a lot of old people. We'll talk about the generational differences.
0: Um you know, and one thing that I have heard from folks is that, you know, younger workers tend to move, you know, switch jobs more often. You know, they're not necessarily looking to stay at a company for, you know, 10, 20 years. Um, yeah, have you seen that from your employees or is it more of kind of folks are willing to stick around longer?
1: No, I don't. We don't uh, see that too much. I mean, if I remember back being young, I left the family business in my late 20s and I moved around a little bit, I think when you're younger and you have some confidence in yourself, um, maybe chasing another dollar an hour or chasing a little more money or something, is it's is always been there. But um, do, does, does this younger generation do it more? I'm, I don't have the data in front of me to question one way or the other. Um, all I know is is I've been hiring and unfortunately terminating since my early 20s. In my dad's business and i don't see the differences that people talk about personally i don't really see it Uh, but again it's how you treat your, your people how you compensate how you you know spend time with them make connections um sometimes um i think leadership has changed uh more i think there's maybe some bigger differences in how Companies lead and, and treat employees than maybe it used to be. But, yeah, uh, I personally don't don't see that.
0: All right, well, Tony, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. This has been great.
1: Good, Jay. Yeah, um, that's uh, all I can do. Very uh, happy to uh, receive this award. We work hard for those things. Our employees uh, deserve these kinds of things. They're the ones that have made this happen. So thanks for uh, thanks for. Uh, this award, and um, yeah, we take it seriously. We appreciate it.
0: All right, thank you. That wraps up episode one hundred and nineteen of EHS on Tap. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at EHSDailyAdvisor.blr.com. You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Google Play, iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time.